What's up, everybody? This is Josh Martin, voice of Dragon Ball Z's Majin Buu. And I'm telling you, be sure you tune in to the Toonami Faithful Podcast Exclusive. Or I'll turn you to chocolate, need you? <laughs> Welcome to Nami Faithful listeners. I am your host, CJ, here alongside Paul. And we are with a very special guest today. <laughs> I was wondering, was I'm like, wait. You? Oh my god, I missed it. Mm, I was busy eating. <laughs> if you are unaware of who Hello. that might be. <laughs> that's that... right, Josh Martin here. Uh, Sorry, I missed my cue. That's a, CJ, no... you're... I'm going to shut up now and let you take no, back over. No, no, that's okay. Yeah. I... I honestly, that's kind of my first question, at least, like, more of an anecdotal thing more than anything. Uh, how did you f- uh-huh. find this voice for Boo, considering how you oh, normally boy. sound like, and then all of a sudden you're able yeah. to contort it in mm-hmm. a way that honestly doesn't seem real? Like, I am always in ah. awe when I hear it. I love that compliment. Thank you so much. I really <laughs> appreciate it. Um, well, uh, it starts back in... Well, probably when I was younger, um, I watching TV and imitating voices, and uh, and I could do a, I could do the Pillsbury Doughboy. And um, when I grew up and went on to acting school in Dallas, Texas, I uh, met some friends in acting school, and we started a comedy troupe. And. Uh, we were trying to find characters we could all do, and everyone at what they we asked, "All right, what imitate?" And I raised my hand. I said, oh, "I do Scooby Doo," and everybody did Scooby Doo. And then I said, "Oh, I do Pillsbury Doughboy," because I didn't think that that would be you know funny, a funny thing to do. Uh, and then one of the guys. Um, before I go any further, what is this uh, show rated? Oh, what content uh, is this? M for mature. <laughs> okay, excellent. All right. Well, then you'll get the full story. Uh, so uh, one of the guys uh, is super funny, Mark Orvik. He leaned in my ear and he told he gave me a new line to say as the Pillsbury Doughboy. And so I instead of nothing says loving like my crescent rolls. <laughs> I said. I'm hollering one eight seven with my dough in your mouth, biatch. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, basically, from there we uh, we wrote a backstory for the Pillsbury Doughboy to get jumped after his after on his way home from school one day by the Keebler Elves, <laughs> and uh, this him into becoming a gangster rapper, and um. I wound up redoing, rewriting uh, Snoop Dogg's What's My Name. Oh. And I performed it on stage for uh, for many years. And two of my friends in that comedy troupe were uh, Mike McFarland and Chris Rager. And they got their parts before I did. They brought Chris Sabat to the show. He saw me do the Pillsbury Homeboy. And he asked me to come and be Majin Buu after that. 
And that is the long story of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's so amazing, just the fact that you're able to pretty much on call do that. I mean, I know you've been voicing, you know, Majin Buu for quite a while now, but it's always just, its it sounds so remarkable just how you're able to contort it to be able to do that. Yeah, Man, I appreciate least... it. I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate, and I, I've trained in, in, in singing, so it's kind of like singing to me. It's just like a, a falsetto voice, but at the same time, I took acting, and I'm from Louisiana, so I'm a little crazy. So it all <laughs> comes together in the Majin Buu. <laughs> so what was your initial impressions when you were cast as Majin Buu when you saw him? Oh, my gosh. Well... Um, I had no idea what was going on. Um, I, I wasn't a, I wasn't even an anime fan per se at the time. Um, and I, you know, and I didn't know anything about Dragon Ball Z. I think that probably somehow I had seen the animation because it looked familiar. But I, I didn't know. I wasn't aware of anything going on. And then I get... I, I get to the booth for the first time ever as my first voiceover job ever. And they tell me the whole story about Majin Buu. And, you know, that he's a he's a, a baby. His, his demeanor is a baby. He just wants to eat chocolate. But uh, he's, you know, controlled by Bobbity and he destroys things and all. And I was just, I, it was a lot to take in at once and you know i had a lot of catching up to do i played a lot of catch up even while i was recording stuff just because i didn't know what was going on but um eventually i tried i tried to catch up it, it made a little more sense even though uh after goodness 20 years doing it i've come to realize that uh anything's possible in Dragon Ball Z and so it doesn't necessarily make sense ever <laughs> so yeah that was I mean I was blown away but since I've gotten into it and you know with the internet I'm able to learn more about it there's more things that are accessible to me that I'm able to to research so that's cool I dig that mm-hmm I know for myself personally, and I, I probably uh, I'm, I'm dating not only dating myself, but I'm probably going to make Paul feel older too. But for me, the arc that really uh, captured my imagination when it comes to Dragon Ball Z was the Majin Buu arc. You know, I enjoyed you know Goku and Vegeta going after Bobbity, uh, and then all of a sudden Majin Buu uh -huh. coming back, and you see the most one of the most iconic moments when Vegeta sacrifices himself during that fight. I'm curious how you feel you know being the main antagonist for at least personally for me such an iconic arc in dragon ball z yeah i mean you know i didn't know anything until about probably probably 2005 hmm. uh, maybe 2003 was the first time i got a glimpse into the fact that people you know this wasn't just a little one-off gig that i did in dallas you know, that this, this was something bigger because uh, I went on the score um, entertainment uh, card game tour with the Hummer back then. Mm -hmm. And we, we went to different conventions and, and uh, different 
comic book stores and malls and things like that. And I just, I had no idea. And so many people showed up and wanted me to sign an autograph. And um, that was my first glimpse into it. And even, but even then I still wasn't fully aware of everything going on because I didn't, I wasn't able to go back and watch the, the, uh, the cell saga. I wasn't able to go back and watch the beginning of anything. You know, I didn't watch mm -hmm. any of it. All I knew is the parts that I recorded and I couldn't even see what I had done. <laughs> I didn't, you know, I had no idea what it looked like, what it sounded like. It was, I mean, it was probably a year or two before I knew what it looked like or sounded like in the end, in the final edit. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, I, I have three children and uh, they are, they're 13 and 10. And uh, for that time, while they were, from the time that they were born until probably four or five years ago, I was responsible for staying home, taking care of them while my wife worked. And I was still doing some acting, but I definitely wasn't out on the convention scene. Mm -hmm. But they started getting old enough to, to uh, kind of be a little bit self-sufficient. Uh, not so much of a two-man a two, two job. A two-person job, and uh, and so I got back into the convention scene with my man Chris Rager, aka Mr. Satan, because we are best friends <laughs> on screen and off since 1995. Nice. And uh, yeah, and I got back on out on the convention uh, gig with Rager and found out wow, people still dig this like even more. Like they're the people that were watching it back then have shown their, you know, their kids and younger sisters and brothers and all that's it just it's amazing. Super cool. I'm very fortunate to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. And I'm and I can only imagine that with Dragon Ball Super even the where it continues the story, you're just like, We get to do it more? Like you were probably all like gung ho to do some do some more with Boo. Listen, I mean in the saga, you know, all of a sudden, I eat myself. I turn myself into a cookie. I eat myself. And then I'm super boo. But Justin Cook did super boo. Mm -hmm. So I thought, oh, well, that was fun. And then they call me back. Well, I actually did Commander Red in between all that. But uh, I did Kid Boo. They called me back for Kid Boo. And then... You know his demise, and then I thought, uh, well, well, that's still cool. I still got to do, you know, two pretty cool characters. I did Evil Boo too, but you know, still got to do pretty cool characters. You know, whatever. And then I get a call, and they're like, "Hey, uh, we need you to come in and do this video game as Boo." And I'm like, "Oh, I thought he died, though." <laughs> you know, I mm -hmm. didn't get it, and and then sure enough, every year. Once or twice, I get called for another video game. And then, what do you know? We got GT. And then we got Kai. And, you know, and then we got Super again. And I, or the, actually, what I was really amazed at was the Battle of Gods movie. Mm -hmm. When I came out, I was like, wait a second. I thought I, I thought I, I didn't. Now I want pudding. <laughs> Not chocolate. Okay. All right. Let's do this. And uh, yeah, just 
just amazed at the 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 longevity of it and and that it just keep they just keep calling me back and that's the great thing it's even better than a soap opera i don't even have to be my evil twin when i come back from the dead you know <laughs> yeah, yeah i can just uh hey you know what uh, he's back and pretty much enjoy uh, a cushy life with hercule as well which is always fun <laughs> totally go get me something to eat hercule <laughs> While you're crying about glaucoma in your knee, I need a snack. Mm-hmm. Very <laughs> relatable. Uh, since you did multiple iterations of Boo, do you have a favorite? I would assume it's it's the uh, traditional Boo, the first Boo, but I'm just curious if you have like special moments with uh, the other iterations that you got to voice throughout Dragon Ball Z. Um, you're definitely correct. That, that <laughs> is my favorite, the first one. Be near and dear to my heart. Um, and yeah, I, my first favorite line was, uh, you think Boo's sexy. Yeah. Uh, I can only imagine at least like being to, or the prep you might have to do to kind of get into the character that is Boo. But I will say, uh, in your mind, how do you feel about the villains when it comes to Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z? They seem to have like such interesting quirks yet be terrorizing all in the same way. Surprisingly, as you know, uh-huh. Kid Kitty Boo was at the original. I still found him terrifying when I was a kid. Not not to say like, right. oh my god, I don't like him, but like, he was super terrifying. I thought he was an interesting villain back when I was uh, growing up, and even to this day, I'd have to rewatch it again to really like sink my teeth in. But I just know back when I was a kid, I was you know like, holy crap, this guy is scary as heck. Well, it was pretty. I mean, the way that they draw him, that's you know, the illustrated all of that. The art is just. It, I mean, it, it brings it to life, and I think that the guys, the guys did a good job putting it all together. I was just lucky enough to act act a fool, hmm. <laughs> and uh, and you know, get to do the part. Absolutely, but like I say, like he's just there's something about Boo that's just I don't know what the right word is for it, but he's just so different, you know, like. Compared to what I expect from villains, he seems so different, but yet, in a way that's almost just like, does it really, how does it really resonate with fans, right? And it seems, from, at least I, from what you're saying, it resonated a ton. Yeah, I, th- I think that maybe he's got a little more, some, some more layers there, and he's able to show some more dimensions, not just because he changes forms from fat to super to kid or whatever, but just as kid you know uh while he is just a complete i mean he is a pure demon he absolutely is and he is the most powerful boo he's not the strongest boo but he is the most powerful um but uh at the same time he can still do the things where he you know he wiggled in midair and and stuck his tongue out and Mm -hmm. teased people you know you Mm -hmm. don't Villains don't do that. Villains don't go na 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 na. Brats do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, that you just don't see that. You see a brat. I mean, then he's just a brat the whole movie. You know, you see some person who's just mad about it all the time. They're usually just mad about it all the time. They usually just got one one level. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Jason. Jason and Friday the Thirteenth always mad about it coming to kill you you know what i mean Mm -hmm. or or whatever that's my opinion yeah so i could be wrong no i mean 
It's, wow. it's, I don't know how you could be wrong on an opinion and something like that. <laughs> Thank um, you. Thank yeah, you, CJ. Yeah. That's why we get along, my man. Hey, I, uh-huh. I, I try to get along with everybody. You know, uh, I, I do. I am curious, though, when Battle of the Gods was announced and you guys were going to be recording another kind of movie, another, you know, more content for it. How how much excitement yeah. was around not only just yourself, but your castmates and, you know, the crew getting to once again suit up with uh, Dragon Ball? Um, well, for my castmates, I don't really know mm-hmm. because we don't, we don't work with each other. We, we record all of our things separately and we rarely see each other in passing even mm. in between sessions. So I really, I really don't know specifically for them. Um, for myself, I, I, I really didn't have an idea of what it was that they, they told me it was a movie. Um, but you know, until it happens, you really don't know for me, at yeah. least as far as I'm informed, I'm sure that, uh, Sabbath knew all along that this was going to be crazy huge and that things are fixing up be stupid. But, um, I did not, I just went in and I did my stuff and, uh, dude, I didn't even know they were recording me. I don't know if you've seen, there's a video on YouTube of like the behind the scenes of us recording. It's like a jump cut of um, all of us just doing different parts. And it's funny. I didn't know they were doing that. I always love seeing that. Uh, and then, <laughs> right, it was awesome. It was super fun. And then all of a sudden they, uh, they're like, hey, there's a premiere at a movie theater to what's happening right now. That was like seven years ago. That was the thing that kind of got my got my ears perked up. That man, I I might be able to parlay this into some more <laughs> more productivity hmm. that I, I started from the year two thousand, which just blows my mind. Definitely, another thing that probably blows a lot of people's minds is just. When people mention the word Toonami, immediately Dragon Ball Z comes to mind. Obviously, your performance is right. a big part of that. But what's it like sure. knowing that like, a project that you were on, like a, especially a big one like Dragon Ball Z, is synonymous with the iconic anime block that is Toonami? Well, uh, it's overwhelming, really. <laughs> uh, I tell people that I think the thing that sums it up best is going to conventions and having people come up and... They'll say, "Oh my God, you 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 made my ho- you made my childhood, you know, you were my childhood," and I I love to tell them, "You made my adulthood," you know, because mm-hmm. I was able to to be a part of it, and it it just kept getting better and better. To be honest, I didn't know what it was to begin with. I just thought, "Oh, cool, I'm an actor. Oh, this is a cartoon." I get to be a cartoon. Oh my God, that's my voice. Sweet, that is so awesome. And then I died, and then I thought, okay, well, hey, that was fun. That was fun. On to the next thing. I'm still doing comedy troops. Uh, you know, I'd been off the road from Barney for forever, or not for forever, but I had just gotten off the road of like a year, barely a year before I booked Majin Buu. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I was kind of used to, all right, I'll find the next thing. It's not nothing, nothing lasts for forever. Uh, 
little did I know some things last for 20 years plus. (laughs) And it's always just, which I'm happy about. It's always just so pleasing to hear about like how much, like especially Dragon Ball Z has touched so many anime fans through the generations. Cause you're right. It's, it's not only just people with their childhood. It's like they're now adults and they're like introducing it to their kids. And it's just, it's a legacy that might always live on forever. No question. Yeah, I mean, there's some amazing, amazing stories of how it's affected people. Chris Sabat and Shim will have a couple of great ones. Um, one, one of them, uh, a kid uh, was burned. It was an accident when he was young. Uh, got boiling water on one side of his, like all on his arm or whatever, right? And um, and and just horrible, horrible degree burns, and couldn't use it. Well, this dude decided that even without the use of this one arm and all that problem, he was still going to train the rest of his body like Goku, <laughs> right? Yeah. And he did. And this dude is jacked. Except for the, you know, except for the part that was injured and everything, but he did. He he went. He trained like Goku, and and he got out of it, you know. And uh, and somebody else, uh, oh, another kid, was didn't know it, but got in a got multiple stings from a bee, hornet, something, one of those insects, and. Uh, and was alone for a bit before he was discovered. And the only way he stayed alive was he imagined that he was Vegeta powering up. That's nuts. Come on. That is Come crazy. On. Right? Yeah. So, so. That's just, it's, it's amazing what this series... And, and, and I've heard some great ones from you too. Yeah, so, but yeah. That's awesome. No, I just, I always enjoy it. Uh, I know, obviously, I think the most popular thing, usually a lot of people then knock it after like 20 years later, but it does, despite like that kind of sentiment towards Dragon Ball Z, it does still seem like the shine and the luster of it never goes away, which is, which I find super remarkable for it, you know? Well, you know, I mean, the subject matter, the, the topics, the themes, they're universal, whether they're in Japan, the US, Canada you know wherever it might be the themes are are universal and uh and they're good themes and so um you know fortunately with the technology and and dubs it can reach different different countries and different mm-hmm. cultures and, and still be and still be relevant what 30 mm-hmm. 35 years later after its original production in Japan. Yeah. That's no, right. It's, it's definitely amazing. Amazing. Absolutely. Uh, and as much as I would love to talk about Dragon Ball, I do know there are a few other series that you've been able to be cast in as well. Well, one of them that I did notice that I wanted to at least ask about was one piece, which I feel like might be yes. going way back as Yozaku, but you know, yes. he's one of Zoro's good friends. And of course, like you being, you know, close friends with Mike McFarland, it must have been a treat to be able to work on that show uh, with him. Definitely. I'm currently working on One Piece with Mike McFarland. So, Ooh. you know, all this time later, uh, no, no, uh, 
no resurrections of Yosaku, as far as I know. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, working working with Mike was great. Oh, I got killed by Arlong, which is Chris Rager. <laughs> That's so, right. You know, it all it all comes around full circle. Uh, that was that was such a fun part too. And then he died. And I was like, oh come on, man, come on. And then they told me One Piece was coming back, and I keep waiting for him to say, oh yeah, hey, we need you in for Yosaku. But so far, they're just calling me in for guy in red shirt. <laughs> I, I will say, I, f- I actually forgot about our long part, but that was a really good arc. So you must have at least enjoyed being a part of that one. That one was, hit emotionally totally. so much. It was super fun. I got some good lines in there. Me and uh, me and Greg Ayers were he was uh, Johnny mm-hmm. and I was Yosuke. <laughs> it's awesome. I got to do I got to do my uh, Keanu Reeves. It was perfect. Ah, well, that's interesting. I never would have honestly guessed that. <laughs> well, you, give or take, you know, a yeah, little, yeah, a little version of it. There's there's the spice. Spice of Keanu in there from Bill and Ted's, definitely. You seem to be a master of impressions. I'm actually quite impressed because that doesn't mm. seem like a very easy Go thing on. to do. Mm, I, I don't know. I've been blessed with a decent ear, I guess. and um, I've been fortunate enough to kind of recreate the sounds that I hear. Yeah. No, and sometimes, sometimes it's closer than others. It's definitely. Still. I appreciate it. No, still, it's just like where you throw out the, the uh, like, oh, it's kind of like this or like that. It's like, wow, that's 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 quite an well, extensive list. Ah, well, you know, I got lucky doing the improv and stuff. Right. After a while, it was just like, okay, you got, okay, this, you got to go up and do a character. And some, some improv games, you've got to be at least three characters, if not more, you know, and they're just coming one right after another. They all got to be different. It's fun. It was fun to fun little exercise to kind of throw that out. And for me, honestly, and I tell people all the time that want to get into voiceover, it was a great training tool hmm. for the voiceover work because you get in there. Uh, a lot of times, you 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 may know one or you may know a main character that you're doing, but then all of a sudden it's like, oh hey, uh, we got this, we got this little, we got this uh, two line part over here and needs you to do it and you you gotta make a decision real quick on how that character is gonna be how they you know all of that and they don't have time for you to take a moment and research and do a character study and all mm-hmm. that stuff you know what i mean you could go and and the first choice first choice is if the first choice isn't it the second choice better be it or you're not going to last very long. But yeah, the improv stuff was was a fun little training ground for me because I just keep throwing them out. And I guess like for those who are curious, like explain like what it was like doing improv or kind of kind of moving away from necessarily mm. the v, the voice acting part of it because I'm always curious. I love I love comedy, you know, I really enjoy stand-up comics yeah. that my father would uh, have me listen to on his old records even <laughs> like going Go ahead, way back. Like but uh, what's like what's it, it like being part of a comedy troupe and like doing improv stuff like that? I'm I've always curious because I know that a lot of your uh, colleagues have done similar stuff like that. Yeah, no, I mean it was it was great when I got I moved to Dallas in 1994, and I was 18, 
and I'd never done any professional acting whatsoever. Uh, I barely even did a play, you know, in high school and in, in junior high. Um, but when I got to acting school, you know, I was under the impression that, oh, okay, uh, this is now I can get an agent. I'm in acting school, right? And well, no, I couldn't get an agent because I've never worked before. Well, how am I supposed to get work without an agent? And, uh, you know, me and Rager, it actually didn't happen as quickly, but we, we wound up all being at, at a party with, at acting school uh, with fellow actors and just kind of, we just naturally kind of gravitated to each other, hanging out, making jokes and whatever. And the more we did, the more we figured out, you know what, we should just do, we should do a comedy troupe, you know, like whose line is it anyway? Or, and SNL and in living color. We all liked in living color and SCTV, uh, Monty Python, Eddie Murphy, you know, all, all the greats, George Carlin, Richard Pryor, you name them. We were all into it. So Adam Sandler. Um, and so we just decided, well, if they're not going to give us any work, we'll make work for ourselves. Kind of like a band does, you know, mm -hmm. you, you start a band, you learn some covers and you go find a club and you play until you learn your own songs. And we kind of did that. We did our own material first off, but there was like, 12, 15 people in the troupe. It was just ridiculously huge and it was a lot more artsy. And, um, but, you know, over years we developed it. We got to, we figured out what worked, what didn't, didn't, whose strengths were what. And, you know, at the end of it, we're, uh, oddly enough, I was talking to Rager earlier today. We were talking about at our highest point, we were doing two three shows a week two at a at the uh, ozona bar and grill across from smu uh college which was our you know that was our our audience drunk college kids <laughs> and uh yeah and then the improv every wednesday in addison so i mean we were humping we were doing and we were doing voiceovers we were doing lone star park horse racetrack entertainment. Uh, we were working with the Dallas Mavericks, um, intermission entertainment. You know, we were just, we were just hustling. And, and that was, that was the deal. It was, we were able to exercise. We were able, uh, you know, our craft, we were able to write our own material. We were able to perform in front of live audiences and get real time immediate feedback and you know with that when there are a bunch of drunk college kids you don't have time to bomb and you're not gonna you're not gonna last very long if you bomb a lot mm. um and and luckily we did it did you have a comedic inspiration like anyone uh, in particular I mean, all of them <laughs> yeah I, I you know <clears throat> pardon me mm -hmm. I wouldn't say I mean specifically not one person I loved Eddie Murphy I loved Robin Williams um, I loved SNL um, 
whose line is it anyway and living color you know see i love jamie fox i can do a great wanda <laughs> that doesn't fly anymore you know what i mean i'm yeah, not yeah. gonna pay i did that on stage as in section eight i did a sketch here's one for you uh do you remember lady cleo or mm. miss cleo she was like a socket a psychic oh. hotline I, uh, it's, it's probably I'm before drawing your a, time. How old are you? I am almost 30. It sounds familiar, yeah. Yeah. Like right, I, anyway, but they used to, you know, in, around Jerry Springer time, these 900 numbers would come up, you know, uh, for either girls or other things, you know. Well, this one was a psychic hotline. And this uh, African-American female, or actually she, she performed to be Jamaican. Uh, female and uh, she's taking calls and all this other stuff and in my in our comedy environment my head just went to dude what if she is really like Wanda when the cut when the camera cuts you know like she's putting on an act a Jamaican accent but she's really you know from Queens or, or whatever well so we did that, and I performed. I performed as Lady Cleo, uh, doing a Jamaican accent, and then I switched into a a more urban accent. And I mean, it went great all the time. Everyone loved it. There was no ill will towards it. And sure enough, it wound up coming true. It wound up being the reality of the situation. She really was a New York actress performing as a Jamaican psychic and she got sued for all this money but anyway <laughs> that was the times it's kind of like monty python putting on dress and all that other stuff so right. we we wore dresses uh yeah we offended everybody on purpose because there were other comedy troops in town and they were doing all the rules and they were smart and they you know they looked like they they looked like they graduated from smu you know, we we look like we uh, we were a band from from Deep Ellum. And as a matter of fact, we started at Club Dada in Deep Ellum. So, you know, we played it up. We were rock and roll comedy. We And that was our that was our tag. Section eight improv music sketch in your face, rock and roll comedy. Hmm. Oh, and it seems like you were able to translate that not only with being able to continue comedy, but to also with acting as well, which I think is really cool. That's a deal. You know, it, it, would, it, it allowed us to exercise both performing, writing, being creative, and it kept us busy. And it put us into a position to, to do all sorts of other things. Be discovered as Majin Buu. Yeah. Uh, you know, all of that. You know, people ask me, how do you get into it? And if I told them, you got to start a comedy troupe and wait till you get discovered in the back of a Mexican restaurant. Well, you'd be a complete idiot to to follow that by the letter. But the point is, is that if you put yourself into a position whereby you might, you know, you, you increase your chances of succeeding that's the name of the game. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? There's a, there's a million of us trying to do it. 
you got to put yourself in that position to be be available because there's also a million people that want to do it but can't or won't right you know it's that person who's drowning in a puddle and you tell them hey stand up they're like no but i but i'm drowning you know what are you gonna do yeah uh i guess not necessarily to to wrap this up but just for me personally i'm a huge fan of Mm -hmm. ace attorney you know i played the games and i was such a huge fan i was super excited when the anime came out and you happen to be phoenix wright's best friend larry butts i'm curious (laughs) i just i i that character is just pretty much Murphy's law in a sense. Everything that goes wrong does for him, but I'm I just right? I'm curious on how you felt just being a part of yet another kind of iconic title because Ace Attorney's is big enough, you know. I wouldn't say it's, you know, Dragon Ball big, you know, but it's definitely has no, I, a ton of fans. Well, I here's the difference of of doing it in Dragon Ball Z. Um it's the technology. Because when this came out, I was able to kind of do some research and see what what his history was. And, you know, it's easy, easier to do that. And I found out, oh, wow, this has been around on computer and other people have voiced it. So that's always sketchy <laughs> when, when you're when you're voicing something that's already been voiced. Um but uh, I realized that it was for a different kind of platform, so that made it different. And uh, the fact that Larry's uh, got a little more speaking to do in the anime than he actually did on the game. So I thought, dude, Kyle just gave me the opportunity, and I went for it. It was fun. You know, I had to, I had to be careful not to turn him into Shaggy <laughs> too much. Uh but uh, I had some tendencies to go there sometimes, but he's got that same kind of energy, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, but other than that, I mean, super fun. He just, you know, freaks out about crazy stuff, puts himself in the worst kind of situations. You know, it's his first case defending his best friend for murder because <laughs> he's a, a, a bumbling idiot. And a ladies man. Classic. Yeah, well, you know this. That's that. That's why Kyle cast me. That's why he he knew I could pick up on the other stuff. Good enough. No, but, uh. And I oh, yeah. And I guess, uh, well, Paul, if you you want to go, I was. I my only thing was is like, how much now are you are into anime? Considering when you originally started, you were just kind of like, oh, what's this kind of thing? Right now, I'm definitely more into it and aware of what's going on as i said before i have three children so um my my ability to get too into anything other than them is (laughs) is small so i really don't have you know and honest i'll be honest i am um i'm a bit of an egotistical actor so if i'm in it i'll watch it (laughs) that's fine (laughs) Right. Other than that, I can't waste my time. No, yeah. I'm joking. No, yeah. I'm definitely, you know, I'm a loyalist too. If I see, if I know that somebody's going to do something and, uh, and I got a chance to ju- at least I'll check out a clip of what they're doing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just see what they're doing. And, you know, I love all my people. Support them. Check in on them. So, yeah. yeah. Um, 
what I wanted to ask, um, kind of, and I know we already kind of talked about Dragon Ball Super, but about a year or two ago, you were doing on Twitter, you were doing a booze candy review. I love those. Yes. And I was, so I was kind of wondering, like, whatever happened with that, and could we see that again in the future? Well, thank you. First, um, nothing really happened to them except that I I got busier. To be <clears> honest. Um, it was, uh, I'll be completely honest, it was, a, it was a way to increase attention and following so that uh, people would be more interested to come and see me at conventions and know that I was out there, and, you know, still around. And, and wow, it was, it, it's been really cool the way it's taken off uh, and the great response everybody gave me. And um, to that point... Uh, I believe I have some new things coming up here in the next couple of weeks that I've been working on that I'm fixing to drop uh, on the usual places. Uh, there's going to be more candy reviews and then a new series that uh, is going to include Mr. Satan. Mm-hmm. And, uh, That's be- gonna be beyond hard. that, I can't say much more. But yeah, yeah, I'm definitely bringing about the candy reviews. Um, you know, it was so- I started out really super easy and quick and then i got into it and i made it bigger and uh and then all of a sudden i started doing a bunch of conventions and things started going on i didn't have all that time to uh put into it but uh you know now i do as most other people do Hmm. have a little extra time on their hands so uh we've got some things cooking and here i just thought boo ate everything (laughs) oh yes indeed you know it uh, well, yeah, that's the deal. He he tastes everything um, and pretty much likes everything. I don't know. If, not everything's his favorite, but uh, he tries not to say a, spar- a disparaging word about things. If he does, it's at least hopefully comedic. Yeah. I, personally, yeah. personally, I kind of hope that you do like food review, reviews with it, too, because I think that would be hilarious as well. <laughs> oh, right. Listen, I'm trying to get a sponsorship, and I just, you know, go to each, go to a different restaurant. Um, I'll, uh, I'll go ahead and I'll give y'all uh, an exclusive, um, one word, puppets. Ha! I puppets. love puppets. I love puppets. Okay, that's all you get. Stay tuned. Okay. I like it. I like uh, it. I and will... then, I... oh yeah, go, go right ahead. No, 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 go, go, go. All you. Uh, what I was, gonna, I was gonna say, like, to kind of to kind of wrap this up um mm-hmm. one thing i liked and you seem to be kind of a beacon of like giving advice and i, and I noticed that you're coming up on like doing a con and teaching people how to do the you know being a voice actor and whatnot i, I was wondering yeah. like what advice would you give to people that are trying to get into the industry well i would say that um the most important thing is to realize that the industry is a business and it is entertainment and part of, and the most, the best base you can get for all of that is learning acting. Um, get, get a good foundation of what it means, what, what is needed to act, you know, where that started, how that became the different techniques and the different, you know, philosophies on how to, how to bring that up, you know, 
how to act, how to bring words from a paper, how to bring an idea to life, uh, either on stage or screen or otherwise. Um, and, and from there, everything else falls into place. Uh, voice acting is acting. Film acting is acting. Theater, TV, you know. I, I do a, I'm in a Beastie Boys tribute band. Um, I do, you know, it's still performing. It's, you know, it, there's, it's, it all starts from performing and acting. And if you get that base, improv, it's part of the process. You learn that, then you have all the tools in your belt to be the best actor that you can be and that the directors and producers and everybody else uh, need you to be. And, and that's it, you know, you're playing sports, you want to be Michael Jordan, um, that's great, but you don't start by jumping from the free throw line to dunk. That's not how you start being Michael Jordan. You gotta learn how to dribble. You gotta learn how to dribble and pass. You gotta learn how to dribble and pass and shoot. You gotta learn how to do all that while you're running with a bunch of other people around, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in a different city while you got the flu, uh, while, while you got a girlfriend and a wife. You know, all this different stuff. But if you don't know how to dribble and shoot and all that other stuff, then then you'll have no chance. Guarantee that. That's that's my biggest. I mean, you can anything's possible. Believe me. And I've seen people who have zero acting experience and are, are super successful. But those same people uh, don't d- didn't just oops. Oops. I fell into this. I guess I'm an actor now. No, no, no. They wanted to do it. They might have. They may have taken the back door and 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 slipped someone a twenty or whatever the case may be, whatever it is. But um, the your highest percentage for success is to you know secure that, make establish a good secure base. Mm. Learn to act. <laughs> Learn to act. And pay attention to what's going on around you because it's, you know, acting is really about relating experience, you know, making making people believe in a make-believe situation. And there are techniques to, to produce that art. Some people are natural. Some people don't need a class. Some people, you just turn it on and just go. And that's great. But uh, yeah, learn to act. Awesome. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I agree with Paul. I think that kind of wraps up what, all that we kind of had to discuss. Uh, is there anything you'd like to all plug right. for, for our listeners to check out that you're in? Uh, check us out on Twitter, Instagram. I got some voiceover classes jumping off in Dallas and uh, some online instructions coming up beastie boys tribute band like i said before rhyming and stealing the original beastie boys tribute band Mm -hmm. um and then yeah keep keep watching for um boo and mr satan adventures coming up and who knows with me i'm always creating something awesome awesome uh well josh Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. This felt super, Thank y'all. super enlightening, very enjoyable, and just, you know, 
being able to talk about the the saga, the legacy that is Dragon Ball Z is is like it's just synonymous with Toonami. It's always something that we enjoy uh, talking about. It's fun. Yeah, thank you all for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Well, for all of you listening, I hope you enjoyed this conversation and hopefully you'll get to hear more from us soon. So Again, once again, thank you for listening and hope to be able to give you some more soon. See ya!